Today, I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, I've decided to deviate from the usual a little bit and have a musician on. Today's guest is Bob Oxblood Anderson. Bob is a guitarist, a musician, and a touring rock star. He's played for bands like John Legend, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Something Corporate, and Jack's Mannequin. His story reflects so much of what it means to be a struggling artist that I thought I'd have him on. Here it is. Drive 
And that was Trash Mansion by Bob Oxblood. And today we have Bob Oxblood in studio. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing good. Man, so you're one of my all-time favorite guitar players. I mean, man, your tone and your sound and your performance capabilities are incredible. And I got a chance to kind of, sort of in that almost famous style, get to know you when I was like 14. And I was coming out to shows yeah, of, of uh, Jack's Mannequin. Yeah. And then we became friends, and then I ended up getting the merch gig to go on the road with you guys, and I directed the music video for your former band, Bike Lock. Oh, yeah, dude. But uh, a cool video. Man, you're, you're such an exceptional musician, and, and, and you take your craft so seriously, and I have such admiration for you. But before we dig into the work, I'd like to start at the beginning. You grew up in Virginia, right? Um, I kind of grew up all over the place, but I went, to, I went to, I moved to Virginia, Northern Virginia to start, uh, fifth grade or in the middle of fifth grade, I think like that. And then I graduated high school from up there and then Richmond. So you bounced uh, around Virginia. Yeah. And then Richmond for 11 years and then before I moved out to LA in like 2005. So well, a lot of more Virginia time, I think, than, than any other And state. in these formative years, how did the music thing happen? Um, I don't know. Like the, um... Well, I do know. Actually, the fact that actually um, Ginger Baker passed away, uh, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday from Cream? Was yeah. The drummer for Cream. And, uh, so I, had a, uh, I did a middle school variety show, and we played uh, that Cream song, White Room. Yeah. And uh, I was just looking at that video just because I was playing. I was at the bar last night playing Nothing But Cream. And that's what started. I was like, I was playing in this band, and uh, I was singing. I was the front man. I'd been playing guitar like maybe, I don't know, a couple months. Yeah. But saying white room, and I was like fourteen, but I looked like I was twelve. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was that change. So like, and you could hear these, you know, these girls just freaking out, and everyone there's like maybe three hundred people in this auditorium. Wow! And so like the next day at school, from that point on, like I just I I got this respect from like teachers and everybody who never you know didn't look at me twice. All of a sudden, I just felt this wave of like what I'm. All of a sudden, I'm here, and I don't even know how what happened. You yeah. know? So so maybe, maybe that's kind of a point that like changed. It started, I think, the whole music and thing. Were you taking Seriously. lessons at this point? Uh, no, not at that point. I was, uh, if you want to call the other guitar player in the band, was basically like, "I'll give you a guitar and you play this." And so he was showing me um, this guy Ed Kinsella. He would wow. show me the stuff, the songs that we were doing, and there was like a bunch of like you know Credence and so a lot of classic rock and stuff like that. But he would just he would show me. So and I then guess. coming off that high, did you know all of a sudden like I want to start studying this? Um, well, I didn't think that as much, I don't know, that was a little bit later in high school when, as far as like studying, I didn't really start taking lessons until I started doing the classical guitar guy thing. So that's almost, you need, you kind of should definitely take lessons with that just because there's so much technique involved over like, you know, long periods of time. And there's, the music is worth sitting with somebody who knows it and discussion about it. There's a lot, a lot more you can get out of lessons, I think, when you're studying something like that, but but the rock and roll, I think you can just, you know, have a couple beers and get up there and, you know, do your thing. And and and, and prior to these classical lessons, were you kind of just like listening and jamming to songs like rock tunes you liked and kind of yeah. teaching yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before I started playing in this band, I was listening to uh, like 
uh, bands like Motley Crue and Twisted Sister. I was big into this hair metal thing, and then I couldn't, but I couldn't play and make my guitar sound like the Motley Crue song, but somehow I was able to make it sound like the Credence song. <laughs> so like right off the bat, so also I, somehow I just kind of gravitated towards that music that I could kind of make and make sound like it was supposed to sound, yeah. at least what I thought it was supposed to sound. So um, yeah, so that was I was you know I was doing that. I spent a lot of time in the, in the classic rock world, and then and uh, you know all over the place at and, this point. And, and you went as far as going to college to study classical I music. I did. Yep. yep. Wow. Yeah, performance uh, classical guitar, the most uh, worthless, yeah, you know, degree that I never got. It was <laughs> I don't even have. I spent I think I spent seven years in school, and I'm still a semester away. No from way. A degree. Yeah. So. And then talk to me. What what was going on in the re- Richmond music scene at this time? Were you playing in bands while uh, you were in school? Well, that's um, when Richmond. This was like maybe. 89 or 90 when I started going down there just from Northern Virginia I'd okay. go down there on weekends I had a buddy that was a little bit older than me that had moved down was Guar a thing at this point? it, it was indeed yeah. yeah yeah, it was very much a thing and like all that the music scene in Richmond was like to me just being however old you know 1920 however old or maybe young, younger than that but it was so cool it was a lot of this uh, a lot of math rock a lot of like uh, do you remember like King Sour? yeah like that was the first band that I saw when I when I uh, I was in Richmond. I was like by myself. I'd moved there, like wow. by myself, and I went and just saw this band. Like there was like ten people in this like dirty Coca Pellies. I think was the name of the club. And I was just I couldn't believe it. it was all instrumental. Like nobody even sang. I was like, what? It was, it was incredible. So much fun. Yeah. And there was no math rock in Northern Virginia. Not that I knew about. It was yeah. all kind of very hippy dippy. I mean, and just further north, you had like you know the Minor Threat kind of thing was happening. Wow. And I was stuck in this little hippie center. But I know when I went to uh, Richmond, I definitely latched onto that kind of mathy, aggressive, uh, like you know that kind of that kind of rock. I got way into that. Amazing. And then at what point did you kind of start doing like you know small runs with bands? Where you you joined River well, City High? At a certain, I did. Yeah. I did. And actually, that uh, that was the big. I, I was in bands that kind of started to try to do that, and were just to go to Roanoke. Yeah. Or maybe go up to D.C. and it was like, oh my God, we're we're on the road now. But I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't learn how to tour until I joined River City High, who our mutual friend John Sullivan threw my name in the hat for that. So I went on audition for those guys, and those guys were kind of seasoned touring dudes, as they'd been in um, like younger kind of DIY punk bands like Fun Size and Inquisition. And so they kind of showed me how to tour. Really, I just got in the van and we just took off. Didn't come back for like almost four years. Wow, it was, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, but I was learned this a lot. Your first time, kind of making I don't want to say tons of money, but making money doing what you loved. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that because no, I made we made no money. Zero oh, you money. made no money. None. None. Wow. No, no, we did it for four almost four years, and we did we did it for uh, I think we paid ourselves ten dollars a day. So other than making you know van payments and and payments on the trailer and stuff wow. like that, there and getting maybe a free meal. Well, yeah, yeah. You get a, uh, you'd get a couple slices of pizza and maybe three drink tickets if wow. you're lucky. Yeah, Damn. we just went to Walmart and bought your own roll of <sighs> tickets and had as many drinks as you wanted. But yeah, we didn't make money. There was no money. Maybe. Wow. And then while you were touring with River City High, were you kind of inspired to focus on writing your own music? At- yeah, yeah. Well, I did. Well, I did in the middle. Of the, I was when I joined that band. I was, we started playing uh, an EP that they had had out. We just had the second EP out, and uh, so. But we signed to. Uh, they had. I. They had signed to this label, uh, Doghouse, and the uh, full length that they put out. I uh, contributed 
a bit to that. I have one, one of my songs is on it that I'm singing lead on, and uh, called Won't Turn Down. But uh, yeah, so I was kind of like in the band, a part of the band, part yeah. of the music by that point. And were you having, like, when you look back on this, as we talk now, was that, were that fond memories, or was that kind of like uh, a lot of struggle? Yeah. No, I, it, it was incredible memories. I, wow. wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, it was, it's a tight pressure cooker thing. You're, you're sitting in a van, I, and when I say we toured, like, nobody toured as hard as we toured. I mean, we just relentlessly yeah. went for it. And I had no say in it, because I was still kind of like the, back, the guy that just joined. Yeah. So I was like, we're going on tour again. You know, we're leaving again. We're another two months of this. And I'd be like, what are we doing? I was like, all right, but I just kind of did it. I'm glad I did, but it was, uh, it was hard, but I don't know. I learned a lot. It was, and uh, we, we did some crazy shit, Yeah. And I'm really happy about all of it. That's it amazing. Time. And yeah. then while you were on tour, you ended up meeting Andrew McMahon, right? Yeah. So Andrew's band, <clears throat> something corporate, uh, we were, uh, we shared a bill with them, this tour, this, uh, I, don't know, I can't remember. Was it was maybe a fall tour or something like that, but, uh, they were first up their opening the tour and then it was us and then this band from Chicago Lucky Boys Confusion so uh, we got to know those guys on that tour wow. and uh, became friends with them I think that was like one of their first nationwide tours so um, we'd been on the road for a long time at that point so I think they thought we were maniacs yeah and, but I think they liked that yeah and uh, so, you know, they were always like hanging around and it, it was cool. Was this uh, as they were being guys. catapulted, something corporate was? Or? Uh, I wouldn't say they were being catapulted. They were just kind of starting. Got they it. Started out. But they had like a buzz about them. Uh, I remember hearing this, the, the piano guy was a... Uh, He's like right, piano, light is, fire on stage, well, that, right? Well, yeah, but, yeah. Hey, but hey, we did that first. He, he kind of took that from us. Though. That's, that's <laughs> no what way. we did. No, no, we, 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 Mark would light his guitar on fire and light Jay's cymbals on fire and he'd smack them. So I think it was only until after that tour. When uh, oh. tours after that, all of a sudden Andrew saw that. I think I'm pretty sure that's how that happened. No way. Yeah. And, and then so, he would start to light his piano on fire, and then it was because it was. You can see it's, it's not really that unsafe. You can actually kind of. And then he he poached you, right? Uh, yeah. Well, not necessarily. I qu- I had quit River City High, and uh, so I was on the East Coast. He was on the West Coast, and they just lost Will Tell. Had quit, and. Uh, so I think the first, I, he said he, I was the first person he thought of because he, he just heard that I quit River City High. Oh, so, well. Yeah, so he got my number. I don't know if I called him. We were at um, um, Patrick Henry. It was called. Yeah, the, that's the, the place we still go to. Yeah, I haven't been there in years, it, man. The Churchill spot? That, yeah. yeah. He's a lo- man, I love, he's a that's, love that That's place. our boy Sorvino's spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when Sorvino was at helm, that yeah. was, that was, those were the glory days. You were days. living, so Sorvino. I was living in Sorvino, yeah. So was, when, I was in, when I was in River City, I had the whole four years, I never had you know a place. I was that guy that stayed at his girlfriend's house when he was home because it wasn't for long. It was like maybe a week or two at most. Yeah. So or I would stay at um, my man Sorvino's. Wow. Yeah, that guy put me up. I owe him a lot. Put me up for. So Sorvino was uh was it is a road tech and one of the all time smartest and greatest guys. I will have him on the podcast one day. True, but he yeah. he's got a man. He's a man with many stories. Yeah. But uh, he'd be a great guest. G- going back to you, man. So then, when you get this phone call, so yeah, I was at the pub. I think he called the pub. I feel like he called and to get me because he wanted to felt like he wanted to talk to me immediately. He wanted wow. to sort this out and. Uh, I know, maybe I took that. Either way, I remember being in the pub and talking about it, like because uh, Jay and I just started. Had both left uh, River City High, and we started the uh, the bike lock thing. We we're demoing songs, and so I kind of remember thinking, like, well, I don't know. I was just kind of really excited to get this bike lock thing off the ground, but and then um, I don't know. I was with a couple of people. They're like, what? What? No, no, do that. And it didn't take long, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I totally need to do this. Just yeah. 
And uh, yeah, totally glad I did. So I jumped. I, I, it wasn't long. I think they had a tour that was already booked, so they had to get it sorted out fast. Wow. So yeah, it was this Yellow Card, uh, uh, a co-headlining tour with Yellow Card, and that I think is the tour. And I, I joined them for that tour, and they ended up. Um, I think they just blew up on that tour. I think I wow. kind of saw it happen. This is when Ben still sold millions of records. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they sold, sold millions of records. I think maybe Yellow Card. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, um, yeah, it was a different time. And yeah, what, we, what yeah. was that like? I mean, I know River well, City yeah, I mi- did. No, we missed it entirely. I mean, we missed it. We River City I signed a major label deal. We got signed, and we're like, oh, I can't believe it. We've all this work we put in. We made it. Here, here we go. And then right as that was happening, um, uh, it all fell apart. The whole end, just everything just collapsed, and there was no no home for us. Wow. And that's when it was just like you know I can't I'm, I gotta I gotta switch gears I gotta do something else. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then when you joined something corporate, was it cool being on that like catapult? <laughs> well, it was for so many so many so many reasons it was cool. There was because in River City High, all we would do is dream of you know being on a bus. Yeah. And just having texts like you know do thing you know do totally like yeah. Tune, was, I mean we would dream about that. Which seems kind of silly now, no. but it's uh, but yeah. So I immediately was on a bus for the first time doing the something corporate thing. Wow! So that was like the first thing I remember feeling like, oh my god! Yeah, look at this. And hopefully you had some money coming your way this time around. Yeah, yeah. Still not not really, but it was because <laughs> I didn't know what to ask for. I think yeah. I remember asking because I remember their manager at the time was like, "Well, what do you want?" And I was like, "I didn't know what to say." And yeah. looking back, this, the number I threw out was so low. <laughs> he was like. <laughs> I think he, he, yeah, he's like, I'm pretty sure we can do that. Or I remember feeling like, oh my God, I screwed that up. I should ask for, <laughs> I still can't do that right. But, uh, but that, uh, yeah, it was more than I was, it was more than I was getting paid in River City High though, for that's sure. That's amazing. And then yeah. what was going on with Bike Lock while something corporate, while you guys were touring, were, were you guys still writing? Yeah, no, we were putting stuff together and we, you know, and uh, that was always kind of happening under the surface, but, you know, making money with something corporate and kind of playing those shows took up a lot, took up time, well, which is, which is, uh, you know, which is great. It was, really, it was really fun to be able to play shows in front of a lot of like you know at that time I was just screaming young girls. Yeah, <laughs> it was, like Beatles. It was like I swear yeah. I got felt like that may have felt on some little micro degree because it was like you know River City I, River City I didn't get that kind of crowd. You know we got like more almost like I don't know drunk bar dudes and some. I mean it was different kind of thing. Totally. So the Sunday corporate crowd was like very new. For, I was like, what is this? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. And then talk to me, like, what what is it like as a musician playing for someone else whose music's not yours? Is that something that that's challenging as an artist? Cause, um, like, it depends. It's not really. It's uh, it's it's its own thing for sure. But I always, I, I always end up. I think anybody you end up putting yourself into the into what into whatever that is. And even if it's you know where it's played, like on the guitar, what or what exactly is played? Because rarely is it like. Here's the exact part. Yeah. Often it'll be like you need to play that. There's this hook riff, and I want to stick to what's on the what's on the album usually. And you know I don't just noodle off and do my own thing. But I mean as far as like how it's presented and how it's uh, arranged. But um, so there's still a lot of views in it. But it's it's definitely a separate thing. And I and I, I really enjoy doing it. Actually, I get a lot out of that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you said you obviously math rock had an influence on you. But how did you kind of start to develop your tone? Um. Well, like, as far as the, well, as far as the jack, well, the, the tone to me is always, I was, in, uh, so I was a classical guy for years and years and years and years. Yeah. And then I just had at some point, my man Kelly Turner, who was uh, in a band, we were in a band together before the River City High. And he essentially told me, he's like, here's what the tools you need to be in a, I was like, well, what do I need to do? You know, what, how do I, where do I start? I've got an electric guitar, but 
know, what kind of amp do you get? And he's like, this, there's only one kind of amp. It's like a, you get a Marshall, you know, a, uh, like a, I don't remember what I got. It was like a, it's basically an 800. You need like a Marshall 800, like a hundred watt head yeah. and a, and a 412 cap. And that's, that's what you, that's what, that's what it was. Wow. So it was great. I mean, so at least I had a guy tell me, here's what you, here's what you do. And he was right. He yeah. was totally right. He set me in the right direction, man. So and I trusted him and it was for a good reason. But that was the tone. That was the tone, and uh, and uh, yeah, I did that for a long, long time until just recently. I don't play that uh, a Marshall hit anymore. It's no kind way. Of, it's just it's become a thing. Not in the pop world because it's so loud on stage. Everything's about lower stage uh, volume. You can't have like a blasting got it. Ramones type setup in you know in this this day and age. Yeah, you, you can't blend. do it. You don't have it, which sucks because there's so much missing from that today. In that, but whatever it is, what it is. But that's where it started. And, and then Jack's Mannequin formed, right? Mm-hmm. Because you decided to take a break from something corporate and you were able to bring Jay into that, right? Yeah. In the, so in the middle of the something corporate uh, tour or tours or whatever, it was some, one of them, I was, I was with them for maybe a year and a half. So it, okay. wasn't, it wasn't actually that long, but uh, the whole time Andrew was kind of peeling away. And I think maybe me being the new guy, he kind of like him and I would hang out like he would kind of look for me to kind of. Like uh, I feel like it was kind of him, and the other guys had a thing. And yeah, kind of had a thing. They were like he childhood went, friends, and yeah, yeah. They, and they'd been a band for yeah. you know that's and that's what happens. But um, so him and I were hanging out, and he started working on some uh, like a couple songs, and uh, he played me "Holiday," which I, th- I think he said it was a demo at the time, but I think it ended up being the song that's on that on the the record. Well, but he asked me if I wanted you wanted to come in and play, and I was like, "Hell's yeah, 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 let's do it." So, and I remember him asking me, like, where we need a drummer and a bass player. And he was like, you know, do you think Jay would be into it? I was like, yeah, I'm already, I'm already ahead of you. Dude, I've already talked to him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, it's like, this is, this is on. We need to do this yeah. like, for sure. And like, uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then Jay Mac had an idea to get, uh, and I thought about Sullivan, the, the, the fourth piece. And, uh, but Jay was going back to, uh, Richmond. I think Jay Mac talked to him and, uh, and kind of, Got him involved. Wow. Is, yeah. And then what was that like? You know, because that, that first record was so monumental. You guys toured on that record for, for like five years or something crazy, right? Yeah. Or you could say we toured on that record for a month and a half and then yeah. <laughs> and cut and then, <laughs> then stop. But there was... Uh, um, How long did we tour that record? I mean, when did the second record come out? Like, Was it a couple of years? But yeah, there was like was, a whole... It was a long gap. It, it must a, have been, I'm exaggerating, maybe it was like two or three years. Yeah. Well, there was a chunk of time we didn't do a lot. Yeah. Like when Andrew was recovering, so that was, that was, yeah, it was a long time. And then what, how was that experience? How did it change from something corporate to going to that? Was it more of the same or was it kind of a... Well, it was, it was very different because I, I just had more to do with the music. I, like, personally had more to do because yeah. I recorded a bunch of the stuff that was on, that on, that's on the album. And so... A lot of those so little bits of me are like in that are in that album where the something corporate stuff was me just playing live. Got it. So I never recorded with them, yeah. And and then talk to me. What was it like, like being able to live that dream of being in the bus and like making some money doing what you love? Like, was it all of a sudden very fulfilling, or mm, or is yeah. it hard? You know, playing someone else's music. I don't know. It was great. It was, but it was not. I'm, but I'm not the type of person though to kind of. I'm always like, I can't. It's hard for me to sit back and look and be like, look at this, man living the thing yeah really, really like to that degree i'm always kind of like moving i don't know but uh it was great I, you know it was good but we were in a bus we were in a van at first though we didn't oh, get a wow. bus until later but um uh, 
yeah, no, that was great. That, that that record, you know, did so well. A lot of people loved it so much. So that's that's really the what that's that's the thing when yeah. you show up and everybody like really is in love with the album and it's like wow, you know, it's great. And then while you were on tour with your co-partner Jay McMillan of Bike Lock, were you guys working on this dinner set EP or? Uh, yes, that that dinner set thing took took a long time but we would basically it's hard for well when i'm on the road doing like was doing the jacks thing like it's hard to really work on anything i don't yeah. do anything else i think for me anyway like if, when i'm on the road when i'm gone i'm doing just that i've tried it forever to try to work on other stuff and you get some stuff done but i don't know it doesn't but um so when we'd get back home jay and i would be always at work on doing bike lock stuff and you guys did that those EPs at Sound City, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound City. Sound City was like one of the foremost, yeah. if not the greatest recording studio of all time. Yeah. It was a glorious, glorious place. And, our, and we were lucky enough to have our buddy Pete Martinez uh, work there, was the house engineer there for years. And uh, so he had got us in, we, you know, snuck in some nights. It was... Uh, it was cool. We had a good time, and that oh. was that was the sound. We got our did all our drums and stuff like that in that in the A room, which is kind of that's where you that's a good spot to do drum or was a good spot to do drums. Yeah, it's got that classic, just I mean, incredible, great sound. And then as you guys had time off, were you guys doing bike lock a lot of shows or we would do, well at some point we were doing bike lock shows on days off on on a we did like some Jack's mannequin run. Yeah, you can't you were on that tour, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. It was uh yeah because you videotaped one of the. You took you had you uh, was it the Pennsylvania maybe it was North Carolina? Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll never forget. We sh we should tell the story because it's quite epic of uh, oh, road wait. rules. <laughs> um, wait, I don't know the story. Was it? Oh, you, you're gonna know the story. Uh, so, I guess one night, you know, this was when I was still drinking. This was like I was 21 years old and I was on tour with you guys, Jack's Mannequin. Was I drinking? I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> and. Uh, I guess I passed out in the front lounge, which uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which is something that is uh, I didn't know is verboten, or you're you're up for uh, some pranks going on, uh, and I got my Converse's and my my face drawn on. That was, yeah. <laughs> and then the next night, you passed out in the front lounge, and mistakenly, Jay McMillan told me to get you back, and it was not a pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> It was not the right move. <laughs> yeah, I have I have Jay to talk to about that actually. Right. <laughs> but I only remember that because that that same night after we hashed it out, I did shoot the bike lock show. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so always forgiven. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah and I but honestly, I never played that shit anyway. And the whole <clears throat> first got to pass out gets like I never was the dude that's let's you know I don't know it's a little fratty I don't know. But maybe some, I maybe participated a little bit <laughs> in marking you up. Well, you know, man, like I I, I experience uh, you know kind of memories of this, and I don't know if you feel this way, but it's like you know I it's hard for this not to sound pretentious out there. But I remember when I was on tour with you guys, it was just so f cool. Like only now do I appreciate. It was like. I was on tour with some of my best friends and we had the best road crew and we just got to travel the world together and put up this show every night and then hang out as brothers and like have a great time and it was a it was a f dream man yeah. you know those are the those are the golden years as far as like living like kings like just because the after the so we're kind of riding that success at the first jacks album so yeah. we got you know we had like a nice wave to kind of ride and so then we were in a bus of course and I don't know. I just remember looking back on it. It's like just we played a lot of colleges. Yeah. And they were just, you know, I don't know. The the crowds are incredible. And it was always like a 
party after the uh, after any show because you're on a college, you know, the students want to take you, bring you to the, the you know, the, the the local joint, local bar, or wherever, like you know, house party. Yeah. And it was just like uh, I don't know, it was. It was fun. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool. And as a merch guy, I sold out the bike lock dinner set. Yes, you did. I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan. <laughs> Let me take this opportunity to thank you for working that working that merch angle for me. Appreciate yeah, it. And so then, talk to me while while you were doing these shows with Bike Lock. You know, did that kind of was it tough bouncing between both worlds of playing someone else's music and and having your own? Like, did you feel limited not being able to? In the best sense possible, um, I no, not really. It's it is different. It's way different. Like the bike like thing, of course, as you know, is kind of a different sound. Especially being a singer too, like singing a lot of that stuff. So like on a performance thing, yeah, it's very different. But I didn't feel like I never felt like this is like stopping me from like doing the Jack's mannequin thing. Yeah, is that what you mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah is uh, stopping me from doing the bike lock thing. Yeah, yeah. And then not long at you know because the band took a permanent kind of hiatus, and I you know went back into acting, and then I think you moved to New York City, mm-hmm. and you started to kind of focus on a different sound. Can you can you talk to me about that transition? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. That was um, so that was, I think that was at the end of uh, after we made the last record. Yeah, which was uh you know stressful for me like on all kinds of levels it was just like you know it was difficult difficult to do but um so really then at that point i was like yo i gotta i gotta break off of this for a minute i gotta you know so but i decided to tour the album anyway and my wife at the time took a job in new york and i was like let's go yeah sounds great and uh, i'm so glad i did because new york is great yeah but um so yeah, but the Oxford thing kind of stems from a lot of my classical thing because it's a classical kind of technique that I use to play. But it's a, so it's like a, a you know steel string, but uh, just kind of played classical style finger style, but not like folky like um, like patterny right hand pattern style. It's more like uh, you know fleshed out like voicings and like you know how you would like uh, play the classical guitar like that kind of technique. So and it's super mellow stuff and it's like really stuff that's like really. Um, like really me I don't know I think there's if you do this long enough you will kind of find like where your where your thing is like I feel like really that that's like a real pure kind of expression yeah. for me but that said too like I can't I'm, we're getting ready to do a bike lock EP at the end of this no at the end way of this year. yeah yeah we're gonna finish this so three songs is we're that, playing is that, is that news breaking on no. this podcast <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> at last I love um, it yeah so we're doing three of the songs that we would, were playing before we kind of left so me leaving moving to New York kind of stopped the bike lock thing yeah but that was Shane not McMillan my intention lives in LA yeah yeah he stayed yeah so um but so we're gonna fin- do these there's three songs that you probably know that we played we're playing on those that um when you had when you Splitter. take this uh no well, we recorded those but like ones uh like uh, uh slug go to hell uh, story of the year and this new one. So there's songs we were playing then. We just never recorded. And, and where can people access that music? Uh, well, nowhere right now. But that's the plan. That's the plan is like by the end of the year, where well, we're going to record that EP. Okay. Which is uh, not on know, iTunes or Spotify. It it was, and that's the idea is we're going to like kind of relaunch like the the dinner set, the four EPs that we put out. Amazing. In the middle of the Jack's Mannequin era, and along with uh, like ten demos that we did before. Yeah. I. Um, did the something corporate thing or like before we started the Jack's mannequin thing 
um, that Jay and I kind of put together in Richmond, wow. which are great, which are really fun. I don't know, for me anyway. We'll see if anybody else thinks. But we also have a bunch of merch, like a bunch of shirts from those tours that were like, man, this would be a great way to like, you know put out some new music. Because you know, I just want to get these songs recorded too. It's like yeah. really painful to have like, a song there and like not wrapped up in a little bow and like then you can leave it alone but like it's just unfinished business so but so that's like as far as uh, the Oxblood thing being a super like kind of I think about it as like poetry the lyrics are really kind of you know and it's yeah. usually about you know I don't know love and these kind of things but Bike Lock is not and it's also really a big part of me which is more aggressive and yeah um, it's almost two sides of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Think about it like that. Yeah. And then, and talk to me when you when you moved to New York and you're kind of building your roots here. How were you able to start? You know, I mean, obviously, I know you have the Jack's Mannequin something corporate banner, but it, mm-hmm. talk for those musicians out there that like move to a city and they want to get gigs. How were you able to start getting shows? Man, I, I would be. I would not be the guy to tell you because I did not know how to do that. I just kind of showed up and was like, uh, uh, I started. Because I knew I had work to do, like figuring out how to do the Oxblood thing for yeah. me took uh, took a long time to kind of figure out how to do it, and I've only just now I feel like within the past like year and a half or two years I've kind of figured it out. Like I'm like ah, I, I'm, I'm really confident about it now. So yeah. it took a few years where I was like, anyway. So right off the bat, I didn't know. I was like, so I knew that was for my personal thing, but um, uh, and that I was just kind of playing uh, open mics and just like really just getting out there just to practice like, wow yeah trying things which was really an awkward phase but it kind of had it had to happen and i'm, I'm so glad it did because i'm you know in a good good space because of it i took the time to learn how to do that kind of starting from scratch which is cool which and, is and you were able to eventually get like rockwood and pete's candy store yeah yeah, yeah those, those yeah those gigs like that was, was was great and yeah i'm actually um and my friend lisa called me the other day so i'm gonna play some um some place in brooklyn in a couple of weeks but that has nothing to do with this this probably will never we outweigh after that anyway so and then talk to me about you know the transition from you know because uh, yeah you lived in la but you were on the road 10 out of 12 months a year i feel like when you moved here because the band was on hiatus it was mm-hmm. your first time kind of really being in a city that you lived in how did new york influence you as an artist were there certain bands and and music that was kind of influencing you in ways that you weren't exposed yeah. to in la perhaps or i could, I could almost put it in that, like, L.A. didn't influence me at all. Like, L.A. to me was, uh, like, I love L.A. I'm not going to talk shit on L.A., but it just doesn't have the, um, or it didn't have, like, that community, that kind of, like, that kind of street level, yeah. like, uh, like, I always think about it, like, as soon as I moved to Dumbo uh, in New York, in Brooklyn, Within like you know a few months, I knew the name. I knew there was a local bar that the, the village that that little area is. Like everybody kind of went there. Everybody knew you know I knew the name of my mailman. I knew uh, you know who was working the grocery store. Who was like all that kind of like we're in L.A. It was just like a big empty, you know, just you know blank faces. It was just there wasn't that kind of like community thing. Mm-hmm. And especially with the music too, it was there was always just I felt like a big industry city, and there were always like kind of bands that were. We'd go see play, but there were like bands that were kind of put together by somebody, and then they'd go push them out the door into some some venue. And we, I don't know, it was weird. Like New York's probably that ha- that happens here, but mm. I don't know, didn't I don't see that as much here. Mm. So I'm more like at the bar, meeting people who are other musicians that are doing stuff, and I'm more talking about stuff like that. Whereas L.A., I don't know if that ever happened, really. You know? Yeah, it was like uh, 
there's more. I feel like there's people here like working on stuff and they've got ideas and they're trying to get from here to there. And whereas like LA is more like, I I just showed up and I'm going going on stage in front of a thousand people tomorrow. I've never played in front of an audience before. Yeah. Like, well, like, this kind of it's weird. It's a different uh, it's a different vibe. Or it was anyway. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there now. I have no idea. And and talk to me now. What what are your thoughts on just kind of the current state of of the music industry? Because I feel like, you know, now it's like you're you're, 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 you're Taylor Swift, or you know, you're you're lucky if you got a spot, you know, yeah. at, at Rockwood Music Hall. Yeah. Do you think? Well, me being not, I don't. Uh, I won't probably have a fair like perspective of that because I don't care about a lot of that music. Like the, as far as the state of like modern like like pop music today yeah. is like. Just very, it's like uninteresting to me, but that may well be because I'm not, you know, 24 or, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. I think the state of, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what you would do as a musician, like coming out today. I don't know, but I've heard people say that always through, you know, 20 years ago. How does yeah. anybody make it today? So maybe it's just one of these naturally kind of just, you know, evolving things. I don't know. Um, it's definitely different though, as far as like being a musician today. I see other, when I, you know, cause I play with, um, been doing a bunch of, uh, festival shows with Andrew. I always get a good kind of slice of like what's, what's popping right yeah. now. What band is like hot and what's, what are they doing on stage anyway? And I'm it's usually like, what the f- is this? I mean, I, I yeah. have to admit I'm t- just, but you know, I have to be, I have to be truthful about it, but not always. And a lot of times I love being, I love being proved wrong and i love hearing something i was like oh man that's actually dope I yeah think. yeah i got so, you i got you hooked on the dig <laughs> yeah yeah the dig is cool yeah yeah, yeah. but it was, but overall just i mean and there's all, there's tons of exceptions i mean there's all you know i'm just i just mean in general the state of the main the little upper crust of like pop that radio music i don't know it doesn't really do a lot for me and then um we can cut this if we can't talk about it but i i think we can you you ended up going on tour with john legend yeah, why would you not want to talk about? Why would you not? I, I don't know. I didn't know. We could talk, <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about that. Yeah. So then, what what was that like going on tour for like the foremost, you know, piano, yeah, lead man in the world? Like, what was that experience like? Because you know, Jacks Mannequins, you know, they're doing theaters, but I mean, that's arenas. Yeah. No, it was surreal. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I had so, um, so Jacks Mannequins lighting guy, he did this. Uh, Chris would do Lampy. Yeah. Lampy. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing lights for Jacks like years before, and he'd actually try to pull me in on a uh, a Legend gig. There, I think Legend was playing the Tonight Show, and it was when I was living at that house. We shot that bike lock video in. Oh, I love that. But house. he hit, he hit me like hit me. I uh, was like, want to know if I could play the just the show, and I was like, you know, yeah. But they ended up having this other guy. They were worried this wasn't this guy wasn't going to be able to do it, but he was able to do it after all. So that didn't happen then. But uh, years later. Uh, Lampy ended up being, I think he was the production manager for Legend. Is and, he still? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't talked to Lampy in a while. Yeah. I don't know. But um, they were looking, John was looking to just get a new group group of dudes in, or at least in certain spots or yeah. whatever. I wasn't clear on it. But but um, but uh, Lampy hooked me up with an audition, put my name in the hat, and was like, yo, he's doing you know auditions over at SIR. I remember being at, at, at the Olympia Bar with you, and you said you had something like something like seventeen songs you had to learn, or something. It wasn't, it wasn't seventeen. I think it was like six or seven. It was like something but crazy. It was in a matter of. I was waiting for the the musical director to send me the music. For I felt for like a few days, and it was like I think the audition was like on Tuesday, and I got the music on maybe Saturday. But but you got to understand though, I don't know. I'd never heard 
John Legend. I didn't know what, I don't even know, like modern R&B, like, mar- like soul, that kind of stuff. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. A little bit, but not really. So it was not just, you know, if it was like a pop punk band or yeah. if it was uh, yeah. a rock and roll band or they'd been, <clears throat> what a, di- a different scenario. But so this was like way more involved and like, okay, I want to be careful. I'm, I want to do what's cool here. I don't want to like just, I, you know, there's, so, you know, it was about doing the right thing. So I stayed up. I mean, I did nothing for the next couple, couple, three days, but learn. And big part too, because I was singing too. Oh, wow. Which is a whole nother. It's really people, it's another job. It's two jobs, you know, yeah. it's two things. And then you got to kind of merge them together. If, when it's really new music that you don't, you don't know, and you're, you're not just strumming chords and sure. singing, you're playing a guitar part and then singing a part. You know what I mean? It's not like a, anyway, it's like two things. But, um, so I worked my off and, Anyway, walked into the audition and I don't know, went really well. Wow! And then, and what was that experience like playing? You know, so the next show, uh, yeah. So we did we did like a week of rehearsals, and then I think the first show was in England playing the. I don't. Was it um, Wembley? No, it wasn't. It was another. It's funny you say that. There's another story. I won't go into it now. But <laughs> I got stopped at customs. I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm going to Wembley Stadium. And they're like, what? <laughs> it wasn't. It was some other. It's a. Uh, it was, was it Live Eight? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live Eight. Yeah. And uh, it was there's another is a massive rugby state biggest rugby stadium in the world or whatever it's called. T- I know Tickenheim. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's colossal. Yeah, it's like the biggest thing in the world. And that was my immediate. I think I think that was my first legend gig. I was just like holy. Sh-. It was it was, but it was fun. It was, it was fun because it was so surreal. It was like wow. just this is I can't even believe this happens. It's like funny. And was that a fun ride going with him for a it bit? It was a fun ride, man. Is I've never I'll tell you I've never worked harder in my life to like do that that was like just not being an r&b guy like because i had to work like extra hard and not knowing legends material where i think most people like if you're gonna hire an r&b guitar player is gonna know you know john's catalog probably real well but um i didn't i didn't know anything so i was like starting from the get-go you know from nothing did you kind of feel on your toes for a while there every night just kind of like having to learn that style and uh yeah I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I had a blast doing it, but I was definitely, it was, it's a different kind of, it was a different kind of performance. Yeah. Like being on your toes. Like there's a lot of, uh, with John, there'd be like, he'd, we'd be in the middle. Like we rarely played a whole song, you know, he does. Cause he's got, I think so much material. He'll do like a verse and a chorus and then maybe a verse and another chorus or maybe double the chorus and yeah. you don't, and then he'll give you know cues to the musical director and then I'll get them. And it's like, oh, so you talk about being on your toes or just this next song in the week. We're, oh, you know, let's not play that. Let's play that song we haven't played in two weeks. Count it off. And it's like, and, you know, you got to be on your, it's really freaky, which probably to any R&B player out there, yeah. probably, it's probably like, what? That's, no, that's pathetic. But to like pop guys or like rock and roll guys, like that doesn't really happen totally, <laughs> like yeah. that. Or like, you know, extend the verse. I mean, which you can do, but like, I don't know. It was a different, it was a different experience, like in, in, in so many ways, but. It was it was it was dope. I had a, I had a blast doing it, and, and like that, I said, it was the hardest I've, I've ever worked. Wow. And uh, and uh, but it really felt really good. It was good good kind of work. And then you came back and you started doing more Oxblood shows, and then eventually you decided to go back with Andrew, right? Uh, yeah, I came back and started focusing on the Oxblood thing. It was the main thing. I was like, um, I wanted to get that stuff out and, and work on that. Are those tunes available online now? Uh, yes. The Oxblood stuff is all available. The, um, the, on, e- the EP I did in 2013 was just kind of me sitting in front of just a mic, real basic kind of thing. And the stuff I've been putting out in the past couple of years uh, is all up, yeah, on like Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. Amazing. 
and then yeah and then i started gradually you know um i've been playing with a bunch of different people but started to play with andrew again just recently we went out and did the pin and piano tour yeah and um that was a blast that was dope and then been kind of playing just shows with them and you're such an amazing performer i'm curious where were there any guitar players or musicians you looked up to to develop your style? Because you you commit. It's it's like honestly, you could just play mute and watch you play, and you're so fun to watch, man. Jeez, I didn't know you felt that way, Ryan. That's great, <laughs> making me feel good. I'm glad I came today. Yeah. Um, I had James Wells on the podcast, and and James Wells is the singer of the Gay Blades. Okay. And he was telling me, you know, for so long, in small world. It was just that Sarah's. Then I didn't realize that was her connection with John. It was like. She booked oh, the gay from, blades from like, the lanes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he, he was talking about how, like, for so long, he wanted to just be an entertaining performer, and that's how he developed his like magnetic style. It was like less about the music and more about being interesting. Well, that guy is yeah, very different. Than yeah, me. he's like that's there's um, I'm not that dude. Like he's an entertainer. Like yeah. he's great at entertaining, and um, I'm not. I don't know. I, I do it in a slight way, but it's uh. I don't know. I'm not an entertain. I don't really. I don't know. I want to rock. Yeah. I don't want to rock hard. And I want it to f- come across great. And I want to, you know. And there's an attitude you got. You got to take when, you, when you're on stage for sure. And I love doing that and going into that realm. But I, I don't. I don't think too much. Yeah. I don't think you know. Like I'm gonna do a Jimmy Page move yeah, here. Yeah. Or, 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 like, or this doesn't really. Fallout boy flip around. <laughs> well, no. I do remember when I was a. <laughs> But but that but that style that was when I first started playing with River City High. I remember being like just because I was a um, even a little bit older then, and like the music that I was into yeah. was more sludgy, like like uh, I don't know, like like Helmet. I, just, I was and the bands that River City High would tour with were like um, bands that would do that. A part of the that that performance was guys through, uh, were on stage like spinning around with their guitars and like a lot of a lot of those pop punk the jumps and the, yeah. and the kicks which is was a big part of that kind of the music. frosted tips yeah and i was like <laughs> and i was just like i don't know I'm, I, I hate and i hated all that the yeah. whole i was like i'm not doing that so yeah. I, I mean i just kind of i don't know did my i'm not doing that thing yeah that was my style and then having had so many tours under your belt like what are some lessons you feel like you've learned both as a, as a musician and just as an artist and as a man from all those years of experience of touring, oh like any God. lessons you would give to to those out there listening, aspiring to. I mean, yes, but I'm drawing a complete blank right now. I mean, it's well, it depends on what kind of tour you're doing. You know, a bus yeah. tour is so different than a van all right, tour. Let me like, let me get a little more specific. There's different rules, big big rules that you know apply. How do you avoid falling into the pitfalls of all the cliches of like you know? the rock band that becomes alcoholic and oh, does well, the drug and gets divorced like what how, how can, were you able to balance that world you, of- you can choose not to avoid that cliche and just try that cliche <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun yeah i've been doing that for a while it's great um i don't know i've seen people kind of take that i don't know i, I don't know because i wouldn't say avoid it it's because it's, cause it's I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, your first time on to me, you, yeah, you, you, you get up there, you're on a bus for the first time doing a major tour, your record's taken off. It's like, I mean, you know, have a good time. Of like, course. And, you know, I had plenty of fun. I just mean more in the sense of like, not to get lost in the superficiality of, of that versus mm-hmm. like what you're actually in it for. Because well, we've seen, without naming anyone, yeah. we've seen a lot of people get distracted by certain things. And I see it all the time. Yeah. I 
uh, I was never worried. I never was worried about myself. I never yeah. was feared that I would lose sight. I was always, um, you know, when I was on stage, it was time to take care of business. And like always was you know, serious about that. Totally. And, and then uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about instruments. You know, I, sure. you, you work with Kevin, who does yeah. uh, EGC, which is like... Which is, yeah. So Kevin is um, a guy I met, which so kind of, kind of defines a lot of the, the sound of the, uh, the, my tone and Jack's mannequin, Could, to bring back your, the, your question about my tone and the whole Marshall thing. But like that kind of tone was... So Kevin... Could you rudimentary Kevin, kind of explain it for like laymen out there who don't yeah. understand? Well, so again, this is... Um, my friend John Sullivan turned uh, let me know like I was listening to this we were listening on the bus listening to the shellac record and uh, I of course listened to shellac years ago before it um, before I went on tour but I'd always for some reason thought the sound of that guitar was like a telecaster just because I didn't know any better it just had that bright kind of clear crispy kind of um, um, sound and almost a little and a nasty to it but without yeah. without distortion like a pedal nasty like it was had a, like a natural nastiness to it and he said, no, it's this uh, Travis Beans, this aluminum guitar. And I was like, what? Anyway, so he explained to me what that was. And uh, and he had found this dude, Kevin Burkett, online. I think he met him online, but uh, through a Travis Bean site, probably, which wow. is this guitar from the 70s. But So Kevin started making guitars, anyway, and uh, maybe, I don't know, 2004 or something like that. That's just a guess. In kind of in the, in the style of Travis Bean, and the, it's an aluminum neck. And the pickups kind of sit in that the aluminum extends all the way into like this chassis that holds the the pickups, and then often like a wood body, <clears throat> or he makes a lot of them that are now just kind of like hollow wow. aluminum bodies. But it has this like kind of it can be super aggressive and nasty, which is is great. It just makes my mouth water yeah. like hearing the sound of a of a you know if it's if it's um, you know in the right amp and it's treated the right way, it's just. Almost glorious sounds. But my world. other favorite guitar player, John Dwyer, he plays on them too, and he's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm seeing, like I said, this. I feel like nobody was playing those guitars before. Now they're Jack's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, Jack Manning was like, I want to go and say it was probably the, one of the first bands to like take that to the stage and like you know and steady rocket for wow. a while. Yeah, but um, and I fell in love with that sound. And once you, it's almost once you kind of go, you fall into it. And then it's hard to pick up like a wooden guitar sometimes. It's like it's not as punchy. It's not as uh, complex. Yeah. It's not as I mean, it, it's got a feel to. It. I mean, and I love wooden guitars. I have you know, but at the time it was just kind of a love affair. I just couldn't get enough of this yeah. this aluminum uh, sound. So yeah, and that's and that's that's Kevin's Kevin thing. Kevin a, Burkett a, at uh, Electro guitar. guitar Company. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So Bob, what's next for you? Uh. Well, I'm gonna go get some oysters later. I mean, you. Were... <laughs> so, yeah, but you I know, got any I know what you mean. Shows a, coming up? Uh, I do. I'm actually doing. Um, actually, uh, do you know Lisa? You know Lisa Blaze? I don't think I do. No, she does. Like so, this time of year, I usually do um, for like the Deer Jack stuff. Like I always uh, they, they do like a, a fundraiser for like some cancer awareness. Yeah, fundraiser, and uh, and the girls will call around this time of year. Call me up to do some come play a bar or something like that where they kind of go have a celebration go get wow. some drinks and throw shit at me try amazing to, try to mess me up while i play and uh so that's gonna um so i think november 5th at in, this at this place in in brooklyn it's a place called the corners okay i've never played there i have no idea what it's gonna be but nice yeah that's what i have right now and we're in, i'm in the middle of starting to book uh some like uh me and my man aj 
AJ Jump, who plays drums with me for the Oxfoot thing, uh, want to put together like a group of weekends, like weekend warrior type stuff, like do one three day weekend up north. Like, wow. Like Boston, maybe yeah. Burlington, all that. And then one out, one west, and then maybe as far as I don't know, Pittsburgh, and then, and then down south, maybe get, get down to Richmond. Amazing. And DC and all that stuff. But, um, so yeah, we got that. And mainly this bike lock stuff. I kind of, if I can get a lot of this taken care of, um, before the end of the year, as far as getting you know the basic tracks and stuff like that, I'm really stoked to do that. Any any hopes of a bike lock show? Hell yeah, man! I, w- I mean, I would love to do that. I mean that. So yeah, we're not gonna we don't have to wait wait for any like pressings or anything like. It's, we're just gonna release it digitally. And but I would I I would have to think we could put together a little run. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I doubt there's like masses of. I'll have, uh, have to torment that run. But, yeah, dude. There you <laughs> because go. I'll sell all the records, dude. I'm into that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up to me. Remember that. Yeah. I know who's selling our merch. Bob Oxblood Anderson, it means so much to be being here, man. I got so much respect for you as a brother and as an artist. And uh, before we wrap, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you if you'd like? Uh, Well, it's probably my Instagram. Okay. That's kind of the one thing that I use, which is just Bob Oxblood or at Bob Oxblood. So that's kind of where I have like all my info is coming out once stuff gets put on Spotify, like through... I've got um, I've got like six songs right now, Oxblood songs that are like just about ready to be mi- two that are ready to mix. So I'll just kind of they kind of just they're trailing you know one by one. Yeah. It's mixed, finished, and they'll kind of. So that's going to be happening the next few months. So I've got like six songs almost done. So they're hopefully into the in, well into the new year. I'll be like you know releasing these, and you can know about that on. Yeah, at, I'll keep everyone Oxblood. posted on the podcast. Please do, my man, yeah. All right, Bob Anderson, I love you, brother. Ryan, likewise, All man. Right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Great having you. All right, brother. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.